Dirty Bird Podcast contains foul language and is not appropriate for young fledglings. Listener discretion is advised. Our intro music is brought to you by Ricky Pistone, aka Dick Piston. And our outro music is brought to you by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music. Are you looking for a podcast today? With ornithology and humor you crave? Well, I know all these guys and it's birds they like. It's Dirty Bird. Yeah, they're just a couple guys who really like birds. It's Dirty Bird. Yeah, they're pretty dirty, but they really like birds. Hello, and welcome to Dirty Bird Podcast, <laughs> a podcast that's serious about birds and Lord of the Rings, but nothing else. I'm here with uh, Chris Wise Gamgee and um, Evan Ariandok, <laughs> Brandy Buck. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, you guys. My best buds, Chris and Evan and fellow Tolkien nerds, helping me out with an episode today on Lord of the Rings. What's up, guys? What's up, man? This is my uh, second uh, appearance. I hope it is a lot less raunchy than first, the first one. Uh, I'm no. sure some of you guys heard that one. Uh, I want more raunchy. <laughs> more raunchy about Lord of the Rings birds. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'll, I'll also promise to be a little bit more coherent than my two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, what was wrong Chris. the first two? It was like nine in the morning. John woke us uh, up and you know, I was just we were a little, sitting in the snow out of it. <laughs> talking about woodpeckers. <laughs> I was freezing, man. Saw uh, men send the snow. Well, but no, Lord of the Rings is much more my my speed. So, yes, yes. Um, and I'll start off saying that, like, uh, I'm a big bird fan. Uh, Chris and, and Evan support me in it. Um, but we are all three huge Lord of the Rings fans. Um, definitely not experts, but huge, huge nerds as far as Lord of the Rings goes. So um, this episode, we'll be talking about birds in Lord of the Rings, exploring everything from eagles to gore crows to very obscure references to birds. Um, and uh, I'll probably get some stuff wrong, especially pronunciations. My uh, Elvish isn't great. Uh, <laughs> even but, just english either so yeah my english isn't good either your elvish so might be better good. than your english so let's yeah, hold right. the phone on that one gosh no crap well, wait, we won't be able to tell speech. if you're wrong so <laughs> um anyway uh but i did a lot of research for this we all did actually um i uh reread the ltr books Hobbit, Fall of Gondolin, um, didn't do Cimmerillion. Uh, that's a little bit uh, too much. I read it once and <laughs> I don't know if I'll do it again. <laughs> Did like you reread these in preparation for this or was this yes. just like your annual reading? Well, yeah, yeah my, my annual pilgrimage through Middle Earth. <laughs> so I uh, I recently reread them in the spring and summer. I did not have the homework assignment to be on the lookout for birds, so I apologize. I did not reread the books, but I have read them recently, just not in search for birds particularly. So Hey, that's fine. You're still uh, still got it on the mind. Chris, when was the last time you read the books? Um, I probably read them 
2019, I think, was the last time I read them. Um, but, you know, the amount of times I've watched the movies with you guys over the, since then. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's the amount of movie times we've watched the movies can't probably be counted on <laughs> any type of human fingers. Uh, it's probably at this point in the hundreds, I'd say, safely, right? <laughs> the I would the say gore crows haunt my dreams. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the amount of times we've fallen asleep to the movies. Is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when it's us three, we usually stay up. I remember when we were uh, at your house in West Virginia and we every, you know, the night we'd be winding down, we put it on and we're like, all right, we'll watch like an hour. The next thing you know, three and a half hours, <laughs> and it's done. It's 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we finished the Battle edition. of Helm's Deep. We're like, ah, let's just start Return <laughs> of the King. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I have some uh, vintage, um, an old proper 1420 here. That's a, that's a nice little book quote there. Um, Do they come in pints? <laughs> so uh i cheers like to this episode folks cheers everyone I, I that yeah why didn't you send us this you before the episode yeah why didn't you send us a nice tasting uh you know i, I wanted the surprise of while we were recording that's why john said it's for the birds it's for the <laughs> birds <laughs> um so uh i was gonna say as far as i know this is the only podcast focusing solely on birds and lord of the rings but then evan ruined that for me found... <laughs> i saw that i was the first line of your notes after i got them like uh oh, yeah. sorry to burst but to be fair uh i did listen to it it was informative uh he did spend a lot of time talking about birds outside of lord of the rings so i mean it was like an hour podcast and i spent i think he spent like half the time talking about you know Real life birds, bird. not necessarily. Yeah, yeah no, so. we are all Lord of the Rings here. I will mention I some want those fantasy other birds, things, but yeah. <laughs> and and what was that called, Evan? We'll give him a little shout out. Yeah, we'll give him a shout out. It, the episode was called "Birds of Middle Earth." Podcast yeah. is the uh, the Tolkien Road podcast. Nice. Uh, it was pretty cool. I listened to uh, the whole thing, um, so I would definitely be interested. I think the, what they have done is they go chapter by chapter, and they hosted like basically they read all of them uh all the lord of the rings the hobbit uh yeah and, Cimarillion all, the and books, all of that yeah. and you know they just kind of break it down chapter by chapter but i think they've gotten past us and now they're just having random topics but it was <laughs> it was interesting um, that's cool yeah he talked a little bit more about the swans which i know we're going to get into yes uh, that i wasn't very aware of uh honestly yeah. until he pointed out some of the lines that were said in the book so i'll be interested when we get there because yeah. yeah yeah we'll totally talk about them swans um, and yeah, the, I saw some other ones too. There's like Prancing Pony podcast where they touch on this. Um, and yeah, there was another podcast I saw that. Um, what's it called? It's like the Lord of the Rings minute where they literally watch Lord of the Rings and uh, minute by minute do an <laughs> episode. That's actually a genius idea. <laughs> it is like, a very good great. idea. So yeah, they have like 3,000 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> they have content for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So of course, you know, like the five minutes, the eagles are in it like that's like five episodes or something and then the you know the credit of dunland um, <laughs> um but we will talk um about some of the you know the big birds the eagles the credit of dunland um and then also some more obscure bird references i will say i went through the hobbit and lord of the rings and literally found every reference to the word bird um i probably won't mention every single one of those um but uh i'll mention a lot of them and you you listen to audiobooks so how are you I do how are you tagging these? Um, I, I just like write them down. <laughs> While you're working, you just have a notepad, like one, one minute, three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mention bird. of a bird. bird. Bird tweets in a tree that Gollum is climbing. 
<laughs> but um anyways let's let's fucking dive into it you guys um i feel like we have to start with the biggest baddest most uh influential birds in middle earth the eagles absolutely yeah, yeah. stand the eagles bro <laughs> the eagles are coming <laughs> um, california baby <laughs> <laughs> you can fly off anytime <laughs> you like <laughs> but you can't drop that ring <laughs> but you can't drop that ring yes okay dude should we just should we just talk about it now like blind? yeah i got i got i got my notes they're, up here they're the most prom- they're the most prominent bird in this whole i mean world so yes i think that yeah but i was gonna that. talk about the big question you know yeah, yeah. you always uh, see Troll on the internet. Should we just do it? Get it out of the way now? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I found a good Reddit post. If you want me to just read that. No, no, I want to. Hear, I don't want to hear you read. Summarize it. Your words, I want your. Chris. I want your analysis. I want you to. To. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a uh, uh, common sense though. What this guy was saying, it, it may, you know, as we all know, they couldn't just fly to Mordor because there's a giant eye watching everyone. Saruman or Sauron is enemies of the Great Eagles and you know any good creature. And so as soon as he would see them, he would know that something was up. Uh, might be a good, you know, diversion tactic if Frodo wasn't with them, but there's no way they would have made it past the eye or even into Mordor that that quickly without seeing, you know, without being seen. Um, they yeah, also had the, the Nazguls to worry about. They yeah. had, I mean, a lot of different factors going on here. Yeah, because of course the, the the question we're referencing here that you always hear like is why didn't the eagles just fly the ring to Mordor and Frodo drop it off their back into the volcano? Like, you know. Um, but yeah, as as Chris said, like one, um Sauron would know they were coming. Um, two, you have the freaking Nazgul on their winged beast to deal with. Um, the winged beasts are no joke, um, honestly. Uh they're kind of um, not really described a lot in uh, Lord of the Rings. Like um, they don't, spe- Tolkien doesn't like give a very good description of them. He says like, while they have beak and claw, they are neither bird nor bat. Um, and uh, kind of does not more like a reptilian. reptilian. That's what I yeah. was, yeah, that was what I was getting uh, when I was reading about it, that they classify more as a reptilian than they do probably a bird reptile vibes yeah yeah like in in a lot of the old depictions like before the movies you know back in like the 70s and 80s they're usually drawn as like pterodactyls honestly um i know in the movies you know it's kind of more of like a a wyvern you know long neck dragon (laughs) yeah yeah but honestly they're probably more like pterodactyls and um tolkien even says that they are the largest winged creature um ever to ever to fly so like probably one-on-one they they could have probably well you also have to think that they didn't even come in like they they would have the entire not just the nazgul's they would have the entire army of mordor you know Mm -hmm. with their weapons being able to shoot at them and you know try to bring them down like they came in when that battle was pretty much you know they still fought the nazgul but they that battle that was like the last stand and they kind of came in like after a lot of Sauron's, you know, army had already been defeated. I'm not saying yeah. that they're front we'll, runners or anything. We'll talk but about they, that uh, they picked their battles. They but know. it would the essentially, if they flew battles. from there, it would have been all of, it would have been the Eagles versus all of Sauron's army. Yes. So I don't think yeah. that would have panned out too well. Yes. And another thing too is the Eagles. I mean, the ring is a powerful thing that kind of like corrupts. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, mentioned if like the Eagles would even want to carry it because 
sense it's like a uh, you know corrupting influence. Like they wouldn't want to to touch it or be near it. The same way you know Gandalf doesn't want to want to really touch it or be near it. Um, also, um, you know, we'll talk about Tom Bombadil. Um, this is a character that doesn't appear in the movies, but you know, book readers will know Tom Bombadil for sure. Tom Bombadil, like there's a, at the Council of Elrond, they're like, why don't we just give the ring to Tom Bombadil? Cause Tom Bombadil <laughs> can literally put the ring on. He doesn't turn invisible. It and he's like the, him. you know, the whole thing is like, he's master of his domain. Like he, yes, he can see Frodo it. when he, Frodo has the ring on, like the yes. ring doesn't affect him. Um, I actually yeah. don't remember what was the, uh, I don't remember what the outcome, why did they say? They said like he's he, unreliable. He yeah, they, uh, said, they said he would like lose it. He would just yeah. like, put it somewhere and lose it. Because he doesn't and, care at all. Yeah, and like that's kind of, the as we'll talk about, the Eagles are really, really, really old. And like they probably don't really care about the ring either. Um, well, so when you said, uh, yeah, when you said that they didn't want to touch, you know, a defiled object like the ring or a cursed object, it kind of made sense because when I was looking up some of the Cimmeril, um chapters with them involved, they initially were, you know, protecting the Noldor and the elves, but also um, defending holy sites in yeah. the Elvish kingdom. In and the Undying so, Lands too, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, they the holy mountain of Numenor and whatnot. So I think they, yeah, I think there's some credence to that where, you know, they are so holy that they, you know, can't be defiled by this right or can't even risk it yeah i do have one question and i know this, and this kind of goes back to the uh why didn't they fly and i read this somewhere and i wish i wrote it down but i didn't but they have the ability to see through things right like did you guys read anything about this or no because yeah I so. yeah i mean i read about you know how sharp their vision is um it's that's mentioned a lot in the hobbit and lord of the rings and um uh also in fall of gondolin they mentioned it too about thorondor who we'll talk about um, so, so what are you going at, Evan? That like, uh... well, I well, I was hoping somebody else had read this, but like, they literally can like, not just that they have sharp vision, but like they could like, you know, like if the misty mountain was in front of them, like they can see through the mountain. Um, mm -hmm. But if you guys did not do research, but anyway, there was something they can't see. Like, there's something in Mordor, like they can't see. And I don't know exactly. Right. What the so word this, is. Yeah, yeah, that quote actually comes from when. Um, We'll talk about this, uh, uh, but Gandalf um, sends um, Gwaihir, the Wind Lord, to go kind of spy out on what the Fellowship of the Ring is doing. This is after, you know, he's come back as Gandalf the White. Uh -huh. And um, um, Gwaihir, is a, it's, uh, he finds, you know, the Fellowship at Emin Mule uh, when, after Boromir has kind of fallen to the orcs and everything. So he's, he's able to see, you know, uh Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn then he sees you know Merry and Pippin getting carried off by the orcs but he can't see Frodo and Sam because they've kind of journeyed into um uh shit wherever those you know those rocks surrounding uh Mordor before they get to the dead marshes and everything and it's kind of like it it I think I can't remember the exact quote but it's kind of like it's an evil land where their eyes can't pierce basically is what it says and then it's yeah, right outside of Minas Morgul, I believe, right? It was where that is. Am I wrong about that? Uh, or I no? think it's not. Yeah, it's probably not too far. Athelion is right outside of Minas Morgul. Yeah, so, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's right above it. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's why the eagles kind of just fly the mm -hmm. ring to Mordor. They don't want to carry the ring. Maybe they're above it. Also, they'd have to contend with Sauron, who knows they're coming. And the winged beast and the Nazgul ain't no joke um so mm -hmm. yeah well i do you know we can get into this a little bit more but with the nazgul's 
and the you know using that as a as a reason why they wouldn't want to go there when i was looking again through some of the more of the cimmeril they were fighting dragons though and one of the largest dragons in the world yes. so all right we're going to talk about that so let's 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 talk about the eagles let's let's go into them you know kind of where they came from and stuff and how they pop up. We, and- we also have to remember, Chris, is that at the first and foremost, this is a bird podcast. And we're, <laughs> I think we are doing a little bit more of the fantasy stuff. So let's let John rein us in a little bit and let's get back. To yeah, the yeah. Let's rein in on the Eagles. We'll yeah. get the fantasy. Don't you worry. Yeah. We're going to have freaking dragons and flying boats and all kinds of shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Eagles were originally brought forth into Middle Earth by two of the Valar, which are kind of like the, greek pantheon version in in middle earth um manwe uh lord of the air and yovana queen of the earth um the eagles are super ancient they were made before the stars were rekindled and the elves awoke um i think they come after the ents though as far as i could tell um but um yeah definitely before yeah. that well if it was before the stars were rekindled i could see the eagles definitely being before the ants yeah um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was a little unclear about that. Um, you know, some of the stuff with with this history of Middle Earth is very unclear because, you know, J.R. Tolkien was still working on everything when he died. And so, you know, Christopher Tolkien kind of took over. And so uh, there's like stuff that doesn't really match up. And I was just going to add um, Manway being, you know, the Lord of Air. He's also the pretty much the Zeus of the Pantheon that we're describing here. So right. he's kind of the head honcho of the gods that live on the plane that, you know, we're, we're talking about the plane of existence. Yeah. So these eagles are super connected with, you know, like the Lord God. So, I mean, they're pretty much the most badass thing in the world. And an- I had just had another, um, somewhat, I mean, this is probably a second grade parallel that I can make to the real world. <laughs> But um, I thought it was interesting that how the Eagles w- did come before elves. Um, and it kind of just made me think of how, you know, birds came before humans in that sense, like in the evolution scale, if you were to talk <laughs> that way. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting how, you know, kind of that parallel made sense in our own regard. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, and throughout you know, I mentioned how much the, the Eagles pop up pretty much in everything. Um, and they're always kind of coming in to save the day. Um, most of us probably first encountered the Eagles, you know, in Lord of the Rings or in the Hobbit. Um, and then, you know, once you get tied into Middle Earth, then you kind of do the deeper dive into, you know, Cimmerillion or Fall of Gondolin, those kind of stuff. Um, I always like the Eagles and the Hobbit, you know, when, uh, they pop up and they, um, rescue the dwarves and gandalf and bilbo when they're in the burning trees yeah. and there's the goblins and wargs all around them um that's a pretty pretty cool little scene um yeah that's probably one of the best scenes from the movies too yeah, the yeah Hobbit, those the Hobbit movies, movies. The yeah. <laughs> um uh, specifically in the hobbit and and this is you know the hobbit is when Gand or um Gandalf uh Tolkien <laughs> Tolkien kind of is Gandalf I guess um Tolkien's he's first barren time. bro <laughs> he's barren oh that's true and his wife is Luthien um but anyway um when Tolkien is first kind of envisioning Middle Earth you know it all kind of starts in the Hobbit because that's like the stories he's telling his kids you know and then he like flushes out the world from there so um in the Hobbit he describes the eagles as um um, northern eagles of the misty mountains, an ancient race and greatest of all birds, um, proud and strong and noble hearted. 
They have eyes that can look at the sun unblinking and can see a rabbit a mile below, even in the moonlight. Uh, and wings that blow wind strong enough to knock a goblin over. Um, anytime the eagles show up in any of the books, it's always just, there's always wind paired with it. Like either it's like a storm wind or there's a strong wind blowing. Um, that's always tied with them. I always um, use goblins falling over to determine how how hard a wind is so <laughs> I, I wish our weathermen did that you know they're yeah. like yeah so uh the storm today i was strong enough to knock a goblin over <laughs> this is and a 13 gobliner <laughs> a 13 goblin or a troll <laughs> strong enough to knock a troll over like a hurricane yeah it's a hurt yeah that's how you know we have a hurricane <laughs> no this is a bird question for you can birds blow what do you mean like physically blow air. Like, could they like, like they're blowing air yeah, I mean they can they breathe and stuff. I'm yeah. Uh, There's like birds that hiss and stuff. Like I think they could blow. Sure, I guess they can whistle. They can blow. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think they can blow, Chris. <laughs> but he's more talking about their wings. You know, their wings are so strong they blow a goblin over. It's not like the eagles are just like <laughs> on the on the goblins. <laughs> Chris really makes that worse. <laughs> Chris thought they were huffing and puffing like uh, huffing and puffing big and bad blowing wolf. the goblin down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the Hobbit is also kind of unique in that it's the only time we get a look into like the social structure of the eagles. Um, all the other time, they're always saving the day. Maybe they do a couple quips here and there. Um, but the Hobbit is the only time you know they bring the dwarves and Gandalf and Bilbo to their um, eyries. Um, and uh, you kind of get a look inside what their social structure is. And it's, it's surprisingly rigid. It's kind of run like a kingdom, you know? Um, and um, um, what, why the fuck is it saying it's going to, the meeting's going to end in 40 minutes or 10 minutes? Oh, you only, you don't have, you don't have zoom premium. You don't, you don't they make you do zoom premium now. When did <laughs> that start? Meetings. Yeah. Leave this in. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back yeah sorry we had dirty a, bears <laughs> had a brief little uh pause there uh my house got surrounded by um some wolves and uh i had to throw some burning pine cones at them <laughs> yeah they were chanting a song about um 15 dwarves and three fir trees um yeah with that beard you got i, I can see why <laughs> thorin oakenshield um anyway we were talking about the eagle's rigid social structure so the hobbit is really the Nazis. only time yeah we're not no they're not jesus chris uh, the uh hobbit's the only time we really get a look at this um and uh you know there's the lord eagle um in the hobbit he's not named but of course we know this is why here the wind lord um pretty sweet name uh, but you know, he's like a Lord with his subjects. So like in the Hobbit, whenever he like flies somewhere, like, you know, he sees, you know, all the commotion going on with the dwarves and the trees and the fire, and he lifts off to go check it out. And like immediately his bodyguards are like, take off next to him to, to fly off and guard him. Um, and when the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf get, uh, brought to the Eagles, um, 
Irie, um, uh, a messenger eagle comes to, you know, the eagle that drops off Bilbo and uh, whatever dwarf he's with. I forget, maybe Glowin. Um, and the eagle comes and says, uh, um, do you, Chris, do you want to do the eagle voice here? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go a little shrill with it, if that's fine. I, I think that sounds about right. Uh, Lord of the Eagles bid you to bring your prisoners to the Great Shelf. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I studied uh, theater, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> Not in college. It was just in high school. <laughs> was a, a, a small stint. <laughs> yeah, that, that was your cowardly lion voice, I think. There, right? <laughs> I only got two voices. <laughs> um yeah anyway so this is lord of the eagles i'm going here the wind lord um he pretty much always carries gandalf uh throughout <laughs> everything and lord of the rings and the hobbit um and uh it's said in the hobbit that the reason why you know he has a little bird crush on gandalf is because gandalf healed him from an arrow wound um, and so i i have a question about yeah. that because i i saw that and i was wondering do you know like when that happened like it's mentioned in passing but like they don't really talk about it or you know like what what you know gandalf's been there forever but like went like have they been friends for a long time or was it do you have any idea yeah so i have no idea about guai here and gandalf's relationship beyond that the only thing i can say about the arrow wound is um also the hobbit or the uh, eagles you know kind of talk about um the men surrounding the Misty Mountains and the land surrounding the Misty Mountains. And um, they say that um, the men shoot arrows at them if they come too close um, because, you know, the eagles, uh, they say, because the men will think that we'll uh, eat their sheep. And uh, sometimes we do. <laughs> why would they think that? <laughs> yeah. Why, why would they think we eat their sheep? I mean, and you know, I, we're all trying I, to figure out who did this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're kind of like the ants in the sense of like they've been around so long. They're like, they're not necessarily allies or like allies adjacent to like the elves and men. Like they like, they're willing to help people that they, you know, like, like they're, Gandalf. They're neutral and, good. Yeah. Neutral right. good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How I describe them. Like they're not at the forefront, but like they come upon like, you know, if Gandalf or I'm trying to think who else is really close with them, but like if they need help, like they, they will be there. Yeah. Radagast. Radagast. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about Radagast's relationship with them. Um, um, yeah, he's, got, he's they, got a fun relationship with all the animals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were here before men. They were here before sheep, presumably, because sheep are domesticated animals. So, I mean, like, you know, if it's if it's there, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take it. Like, you know, and you're gonna shoot arrows at me? Like, fuck you. I don't, I don't fucking care. Um, so, yeah, uh, Gandalf healed him from that arrow wound at some point before the Hobbit. Who knows? So, you know, Guayhir's got a little bird crush on him and always likes to carry him. Um, Gwaihir is in The Hobbit described as, um, while not the size of even uh, the least of the eagles of the first age, by the measure of the third age, he was the greatest winged bird in that day. So um, I have another question yeah. here, and this may be more bird related. Do we know, like, uh, and I what think they may have talked eagle? about, well, no, why they grew smaller. I know, like, because I was listening to something today about the eagles, you know, in real life, like with the whatever they sprayed on agriculture, like weaken the eggs and like when eagles DDT. were nesting on their uh, yeah, and like yeah. And that's why like eagles that's why they're smaller or not smaller, but their population is smaller. Saruman right. was really, really big on yeah. <laughs> but why, like the about why do you think that yeah. the eagles Saruman's got, got round up all over Orphan? Yeah. 
Um, so I just think this, this is just a thing Tolkien does is like kind of like a bigger is mm. older and better, you know, like, yeah, if you, the I mean, whenever you read the Cimmerillion, everything, like everything's bigger, like the biggest dragon, the biggest spider, the biggest Balrog, like everything old is huge. And then by the time you get to the third age, like even the most epic stuff, you know, like the Balrog that Gandalf fights or like Shelob, like it's still just a shadow in comparison to what things were like in the old days. So I think that's just a Tolkien thing. Like, and, uh, and we'll talk about that with some other birds too. Like basically Tolkien puts like old or ancient as like bigger. That's kind of like just <laughs> his thing. Do you think it's like the magic's going out of the world or yes, like, yeah. Yes, I do get that feeling. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, remember Tolkien wrote, uh, originally started Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit as like the mythology of England since mm-hmm. England didn't have a mythology because all the natives got, you know, slaughtered throughout <laughs> yeah. subsequent, you know, colonization <laughs> a million times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that was his kind of thing. So this is his like fantasy world to like explain England kind of. So, um, yeah, that's, but I think it's the case with a lot of mythological stories and, you know, tall tales as they're, oh, as they're called, like, for sure. Paul you know, they're always, yeah. Well, I, I was just, yeah, I was even going back to uh, game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, like the dragons yeah. getting, you know, like the magic's leaving mm-hmm. the world magic's a little bit. And, you know, I yeah. think George R. R. pulls a ton from, obviously I think any fantasy writer pulls a ton oh, from Tolkien. You it's know hard I mean? not but, to. Yeah. Yep. But. yep. Um, okay. So, um, should we get to the big baddie or the big baddie daddy? Big Baddy Daddy Eagle, Thorndor. Yeah, let's let's um uh let's talk about Thorndor for sure. Um, so I uh Thorndor is like the ancestor of um Gwai here the Wind Lord. So I'll kind of go like this kind of goes into more of like where the eagles came from. So like you know Manway helped create them. He they were like his messengers and servants. Um, they originally dwelled in Valar, which is like the Undying Lands. Um, and, um, uh, they lived on the tallest mountain of Tanaquetil. Um, but then they began to spread out, um, by the first stage, a group had made it to middle earth. They lived in, uh, Belarayant in the encircling mountains. And, uh, apt enough, these mountains encircled Gondolin. Um, <laughs> this is an area North of the Shire, but South of Engbad, which, uh, you know, is where Morgoth or Melko, uh, dwelt, you know, the big, the real big baddie. And should eventually um, appear in the new Amazon series. Yes. yes I don't exactly think right away, that. but should yeah. eventually. Um, and um, this, these Eagles um, were really important. You know, they're the messengers and servants of Manway, but also they were important in fighting in many battles, the war of the jewels. Um, and um, uh, also um, in some other battles too, um, you know, in the Cimmerillion and the Lord of them was Thorondor. Um, he's described as having a wingspan of 30 fathoms, which is calculated out to 180 feet. Jeez. He was a big and dude. just when I was looking up facts, you know, this is this is real bird, real bird fact. And correct me if I'm wrong, John, but the largest bird on earth, uh, largest eagle on earth. Do you know which one? Golden eagle? Harpy eagle. Harpy eagle. I, I saw Marshall eagle. Marshall eagle? Yeah, with a 2.8 yard wingspan. 2.8 so that's like yeah like seven feet eight feet something yeah. like that um yeah i'll i'll also one up you here the biggest bird wings largest wingspan of any bird to ever live um was a bird called 
Pelagornis sandersi, um, which is a now extinct bird. It basically looked like a giant albatross. It had a 24-foot wingspan. So, Sheesh. yeah, Thorondor has got this dude beat by like 160 feet. <laughs> um, notable deeds of Thorondor include rescuing um, Maedharas, uh, the Noldor elf, um, from the pinnacle of Thangodrim, um, which was part of Morgoth's fortress in Angband. Um, he also brought back the broken body of King Fungolfin um, after Fingolfin died in single combat against Morgoth. Um, Morgoth like killed Fingolfin. He was going to feed him to his wolves. And then uh, um, um, Thorondran um, swoops down and uh, he like attacks Morgoth and slashes him or Thorondor, sorry. Um, swoops down and slashes Morgoth in the face with his talon, scarring him, which is like a big deal to scar Morgoth. <laughs> um, he then takes Fingolfin's body to the top of a mountain overlooking Gondolin and a cairn is built over it. Um, this is actually really similar to another event in the fall of Gondolin because um, the eagles were like super important for guarding Gondolin since they were in those encircling mountains. Um, and um, like during the fall of Gondolin, um, the survivors of Gondolin are escaping over the mountains and they get ambushed by orcs led by a Balrog. Um, interestingly, they're led by a elf scout named uh, Legolas Greenleaf during this time. Of no relation. Of no relation. <laughs> he was running out um, of I names. Mean, probably related, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> somehow. Yeah, recycling the name there. Um, and they all would have died except they were at the altar of King um, Thorondor. Um, and he hates Morgoth um, because apparently Morgoth would capture his eagle kin and chain them to sharp rocks, trying to squeeze out of them the magic words of how to fly, for he wished to contend with Manwe in the air. Um, when the eagles would not reveal their secrets, he would cut off their wings and try to fashion them into a giant set of wings so that he could fly like like Icarus or something. We've all been there, man. I now see why <laughs> the eagles are secrets, ally adjacent to the good guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what took them from like, I don't know, chaotic good. Like we, to like yeah, we don't want to really be a part of any of something. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're cutting off wings of my friends. Like, what that's enough fuck? to do it. And to reiterate for uh, the non-Samaril readers, Morgoth is the big, big bad, pretty much badder than Sauron ever could be. Yeah. Uh, just Sauron's just a lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. Morgoth is pretty much the devil. <laughs> yep. Um, by far and away, though, the coolest battle that the Eagles are involved in is the War of Wrath. Um, this is like Morgoth's last stand. Um, after this, he gets banished to like the Shadow Realm, basically. <laughs> or like, I don't know, you, have you ever seen like, you know, the old Supermans where the dude, Lex Luthor yeah. and stuff? Like, that's basically what happens to Morgoth. Um, and uh, anyway, during this last battle, Morgoth unleashes his secret weapon, dragons. Um, dun, dun, and, dun. and Chris, which uh, what's the big, big dragon you were referencing earlier on? In Caligon the Black. Yes, an absolute yes. unit of a dragon. He's like basically the size of a mountain, like enough to like crush a castle when he falls. How do they bring that guy down? Um, <laughs> so they brought him down. Thorndor and his eagles are instrumental in taking him down. Um, they're at, accompanied also by a half elf called um, Erandil. Um, who has a freaking Cimmeril on his brow and is flying a skyship. Skyship. Yeah. It was so much more advanced is... in the first age. I didn't know yeah. it was so steampunk. Yeah. 
it is. The skyship is never explained, but yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I imagine. It's just like this ship with like propellers and stuff, and like steam coming out of it. And like, I just picture know, Tolkien catapults. at this point. His kids are like, "Well, how would he get there?" And he's like, "I don't know." Uh, Skyship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up, kids. <laughs> this is a uh, general Lord of the Rings question, but I feel like I don't see a lot of half elves and like Lord of the Rings and ho- the Hobbit. Like, are they not really prominent? Like, I feel like they're well. In games like RPG games I play, like you see a lot of like half elf yeah. as a race, but well, I feel like you don't see them Elrond's a lot. Elrond's a half elf. Oh, yeah. you are right. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I didn't even. He's yeah, just a lot more elvish than right. <laughs> He's a lot more elvish than yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's actually like a whole line of half elves, you know. Um, uh, and I mean, in a sense, form one. There's before them, I, I forget. Um, uh, Turon and someone else, I, I can't remember. But then you know, of course, then Aragorn and um, yeah, Arwen say, make the other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's like, oh, well, there's like, no, I was gonna say, isn't Aragorn pretty much? Aren't they descendant? Yeah, from- right yeah well, the Numenor that's why you can live blood. so long yeah. Yeah. yeah so is it more do you know is Elrond have Numenor, uh, Numenor in him or is it just normal man do you know I, I was trying to look that up dude quick, right? um I don't even want to say comment because the bloodlines are so complicated yeah just, I, I'm, understanding with, I'm, with I'm all, looking at a family yeah. chart right now and yeah I, I'll just he's got great at beefcake and yeah basically Elrond him and his brother got to choose between being mortal and elf and Elrond chose to be more elf and his brother chose to be more mortal so um i don't know that's kind of where where it goes from there gotcha. but um yeah I, I thought it was the other way around all right um all right guys uh, this is a podcast about birds not elves <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean thorondor um is involved in some pretty epic shit um but let's not forget about um guai here because guai here is involved in some battles too um most notably is the battle of five armies um you know like uh the elves and men of lake town and then the dwarves um and dane from the iron mountains are all about to just square off and fight each other but then the goblins and the wargs and they also have bats with them too um that's uh not really ever mentioned i feel like uh, or forgotten in the movies and stuff but um uh, you know, they come and and it becomes a battle between all of them. Um, so the Eagles are actually really instrumental in this in this battle of five armies. Like um, as far as the battle progression, like all was lost, like they were going to lose because the goblins, they got the high ground <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, they were basically coming down on the armies. Everyone was, you know, they're going to die. And uh, then the Eagles show up and they start um, um casting off the goblins um off of the mountains and they show up with um such a host that they must have gathered from all the iries of the north um and uh they cast the goblins off of all the precipices of the lonely mountain and basically save the day um and such is their contribution that um you know thorn oak and shield dies in that battle spoiler alert um, but um, Dane, the new king under the mountain, um, rewards uh, the Lord with a golden crown and his 15 chieftains with golden collars. Um, so what is, um, yeah. what, what would you say real, real life eagles social structure is just, if anything, just, you know, laying it, eggs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. That's also what I was going to mention is so, um, uh, off the air, Chris was kind of talking about this, how um, Tolkien originally attended kind of um, 
the Eagles to be online with, you know, the Wizards, like as Ishtar, um, right? Is that how I say Ishtar? Uh, Ishtar, but Ishtar. actually we were, we were saying Mawet. Uh, Mayar. Maya, yeah. Maya. There we go. Sorry. Which are, which are yep. another, I knew we were going to fuck up a lot of stuff in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, but then he kind of changed his mind because he was like, oh, wait, the Eagles reproduce. So, you know, I like Gandalf's not out there having babies. So um, uh, he couldn't, the Eagles couldn't be lined up with them. But um, uh, <laughs> um, he does love there's... hobbits. No, no, man. <laughs> on fatty bulger and, and <laughs> um anyway um uh but there's no mention about children in uh with the eagles it's kind of it's said that um guy here and his brother who I'll, I'll mention in a moment um are descended from thorondor but you know there's there's really uh not you know when when the hobbits are at the iries there's no nests there's no eggs like there's nothing like that so it's very unclear how they reproduce they're kind of like orcs in that way i guess maybe peter jackson should have shown them like you know coming out of the rocks or something the way he did that gross thing with the orc Orc yeah (laughs) but this i do going back to a point i made earlier this was in the lord of the rings wiki it says the great eagles were the messengers and spies of mon we however you say that yeah and possessed the ability to see through all physical matter except for the blackness of morgoth's evil pits which Mm -hmm. i'm sure that that's from the Cimmerillion. Um, yeah, I think it's just a catch-all fantasy term. Evil is so dark. You can't right, so it's not just, I feel yeah. like it, it, that goes on the Sauron, et cetera. Yep. But. Um, let me also um, talk about another battle that the Eagles are involved in, is the Battle of the Black Gate. And um, this is one part where the movie kind of really overplays it. Like, you know, the movie, I think it's like Pippin looks up and it's like, the eagles are coming and you know they show up and they like wreck the nazgul and stuff in the books honestly the eagles don't show up until the rings already destroyed and mm-hmm. the nazgul are like already running away and the eagles just kind of show up and they're like oh hey <laughs> and uh, we're here for the after party yeah they're they're pretty much there to get just frodo and sam right i don't even know if yes. they battle do they battle the nazguls at all in the books i'm trying to no. remember yeah I didn't no the so. nas yeah. in the books the nazgul straight up just fly away yeah um but um uh they do go and you know save frodo and sam so guy here along with his brother um landrovel and another eagle named meneldor the swift um they go and rescue sam and frodo because you know they have to be super fast to get them before the lava engulfs them um and uh um while i'm talking about these two you know guy here and landrovel they're you know um thorondor's kin basically but they may be as old as 6,500 years old because they're mentioned in Barian and Luthien also. They rescue Barian and Luthien. So mm. um, it, it's a little debatable, you know, because Christopher Tolkien wrote that one. So I don't know if it's necessarily canon. I, I guess it's canon. I, I don't know. But like, that's super fucking old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how old anything is in Lord of the Rings, though. You that's know? true. Yeah. Like what happened yeah, to Thorndor? Two hundred years. Like, did he die of old age? Like after how many? I years? I was looking on his wiki. It just says death unknown. Like yeah. literally, just like they have. There's nothing in there about him. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. When you live that long, he went just, to maybe, maybe he got shot by an arrow while he was trying to steal a sheep. And he didn't have Gandalf <laughs> there fucking to save him. Thousands of year old things trying to steal a sheep and get shot by an arrow. <laughs> 
um, by some fucking farmer. Uh, don't steal my sheep, <laughs> you ancient beast. And then he has something the size of half a football field on his house. <laughs> All right, man, we spent, what, like close to an hour on the Eagles right now, you guys. All right, so let's wrap it up talking about um, here saving Gandalf because he does it literally over and over and over again. So we already talked about The Hobbit where he saves Gandalf from the burning tree. Um, let's talk about in um, Fellowship, where he saves Gandalf, um, you know, when Saruman takes him captive up on Orthanc. So um, the way this kind of starts in the book is, um, you know, Gandalf searching all around. He's kind of figuring out about the ring and everything, and the Nazgul and stuff. And he runs across Radagast. And um, Radagast the Brown is described as a master of shapes and changes of hues, much lore of herbs and beasts, and birds are especially his friend. Um, Radagast uh, and Gandalf talk. Um, Radagast um, uh, gets instructions from Gandalf to tell all beasts and birds that are his friends to send messages to Saruman and Gandalf. Uh, but then when Gandalf goes to Orthanc, realizes Saruman is evil, Saruman says, Radagast, Radagast the Brown, Radagast the bird tamer, Radagast the fool. I really wanted. That was a good to, reading. That was yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I really wanted to do that Saruman impression there. <laughs> um, Radagast, of course, doesn't doesn't uh, know that Saruman is evil, um, and uh, so he sends the eagles to go scout. You know, they see that the Nazgul are abroad, um, running hither and thither. It says in the book, which <laughs> I like. Um, they see, you know, orcs, they see wolves, um, they see that Gollum has escaped because, you know, remember in the book, the Gollum is supposed to be captured by the elves and they kind of let him let him go. Basically. Right. We, They're just tired of him. bad for him. So he let him climb a tree. Um, <laughs> um, and then um, so here comes to give word to Gandalf and Saruman and finds Gandalf on top of Orthanc and rescues him. Uh, interestingly enough, um, Frodo actually sees this happen in a vision while he's at Tom Bombadil's. He has a dream and sees Gandalf get rescued by the Eagles, which um, I don't know. I guess Frodo's. You, a, you have to think that was poor planning on Saruman's part, though. He knew the Eagles were out there. He knew that <laughs> Radagast liked them and Gandalf liked them. Saruman probably yeah, crap. Put him at the top of the tower. Yeah, yeah. Let's put him at the top of the tower. And, uh, yeah, so yeah. Let's put it out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, I was gonna mention. Remember in the movies, the thing with the moth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's never mentioned the books. The book, I don't, yeah, right. I'm yeah. not sure exactly why. How the message. Peter Jackson put a moth, I guess, to well, take out Radagast. Yeah, to, to completely, yeah, take out Radagast's whole portion of, yeah. uh, so uh, essentially it's Radagast sends the Eagles to go. They see Gandalf and then. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep. Um, there's a little bit of funny dialogue between Gandalf and Guire, like th throughout the books, honestly, like the Eagles, they kind of have like this super dry. They're like really serious, um, but they kind of have, like a dry sense of humor. Um, Gandalf, when Guire picks him up, he goes, how long can you bear me? And the Eagle goes, um, many leagues, but not to the ends of the earth. <laughs> So then he drops him off in Rohan so he can get a horse. <laughs> and that's when he gets shadow facts, actually. But, yeah. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> um, and then uh here um, this is not in the movies. He also rescues um Gandalf after his battle with the Balrog. Um, you know, Gandalf defeats the Balrog up on the highest peak, um, uh, after the endless stairs. Um, and uh he kind of dies, but then uh evan do you want to be gandalf here read that uh all right i'll uh i'll, I'll give gandalf a whirl uh 
naked I was, sent back <laughs> sent back in nakes I lay upon the mountaintop. And so at last the Guaihir, the wind lord, found me again. He says, Ever I am fated to be your burden, my friend. To which Guaihir replies, I'll let you do the eagle. Oh wait, that, that <laughs> a burden you have been. But not so now. Light as a swan's feather in my claw you are, and the sun shines through you. Yeah, he's got a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> There's old pals, man. <laughs> yeah, he does have a little bird crush. <laughs> Light shines through you, man. <laughs> um, here's a thing I want to bring up, too. Um, notice he says, in my claw. Um, and this is a bit of a bombshell when you've watched the movies, because... Um, the eagles do not let people ride upon them like horses. They carry them in their claws. Uh, that's pretty undignified. Yeah. The books. Yeah. Isn't that the reason they're they're too majestic for it? It's undignified. And... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to think too. It'd probably be hard to hold on to the right. back of a bird while it flies. It's flapping its wings and stuff. Like, you know, like they're used to picking up sheep with their claws. So, you know, picking picking you up is probably the best way to fly with you. It's better than them carrying you in their bill, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, that's how it's described in The Hobbit. You know, the dwarves are in the claws and Bilbo's like clutching onto one of the uh, dwarves' boots pretty much. Um, after the rescue from the, uh, you know, the mountaintop, uh, here takes Gandalf to Lothlorien, actually. And uh, so he shows up to Lothlorien and Galadriel naked. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's where he gets his white robes. All right. It's literally um, just a, a bath, a bathrobe they found. Yeah. Like, just give this man <laughs> something. Oh, shit. <laughs> Old Gandalf's back naked. <laughs> Gandalf is staring at himself in the mirror of Galadriel <laughs> naked. <laughs> Someone get him a robe. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, the last thing on the Eagles I think I got is, um, Chris, do you want to do with me the polite thing to say among Eagles? Uh, yeah, well, I thought we could end the whole podcast with that. Oh, that's true. Okay, we'll save that till the end. All right, stay tuned, folks, for the polite but things to but say among to. Eagles at the end. Um, all right, so now we'll move on to the next um, major group of birds. The right... I promise the rest of them are going to be much shorter. We spent so much damn time on the Eagles. You um, knew this would happen. You should have done this as a two-parter. That's <laughs> you, true. You, you know, uh, Eagles and other birds. Us, yeah. We, we like to bullshit. It's okay. We'll, we'll just keep it long. You know, sometimes people are like driving in the car or something like that, or um, I don't know, on a very long jog. Um, <laughs> And they'd appreciate an hour and a half to two hour discussion. A Zach Polker type of drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah Zach, Zach Polker, if you're listening, Shout you out. need to run faster. <laughs> <laughs> you... well, I was just, he does run fast. I'm just saying the length of time that the man goes for a run. But anyway, let's go to the Ravens. Yeah, no, fast and long. <laughs> run uh, anyway, Zach. here we go. Let's talk about the Ravens. <laughs> so this is mostly focused on uh, the Hobbit. But, you know, if the Eagles are like the noblest of all birds, Ravens are the strong and long lived ones. Um, they live around the Misty Mountains and have a special relationship with the dwarves. Um, the thrush in the Hobbit, that which we'll talk about in a second, um, tries to communicate with the dwarves and they can't understand him. So Thorin says, uh, Evan, you're Thorin. Let me get back to where I was just reading about the ravens on my own. Are you good? I'm at uh, leading. I wish Thorin's it was. A, I wish it was a raven. That's your thorn voice? What do you want me to do? I'm trying you're to think dwarf. of how he does it you're, in the movies. You're a freaking ancient dwarf lord. You're man. a stocky, like, four-foot person. <laughs> you're hot. Kind of that deep voice. 
I've been blindsided by Peter Jackson's version of The Hobbit. I'm trying to go off the Thor. No, no, those no. damn sexy Throw that out of your mind. Those never existed. <laughs> Can you give me an example? And I'll try again. All more. right. Okay. All right. I'll start you off here. All, All right. right. Leading the Thor and saying, <clears throat> I wish it was a raven. <laughs> I should have taken my Prilosec today. Um, <laughs> Thorin then goes on to describe the great friendship between ravens and Thror's people. Um, ravens used to bring them secret news and they would reward them with bright things, um, which of course ravens love. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, ravens live many a year and their memory is long and they even hand down wisdom to their children um, there's a destroyed tower on the edge of the lonely mountain called raven hill um, it was so named because there's a wise pair of old ravens there um kark and his wife the moment the thrush <laughs> named the wife this, yeah kark yeah <laughs> the wife doesn't get it karkina <laughs> um uh, the thrush hears this and then flies off. Um, lo and behold, who shows up but um, a most decrepit old bird. He was getting blind, could hardly fly, and the top of his head was bald. But he was a raven of great size. Here we go with that, you know, J.R. Tolkien, old and, and great size thing. Um, yeah. He bobs towards Thorin. And Chris, you're going to do this one. Um, <clears throat> says in ordinary language, not bird speech. Good, because I, I don't know bird speech. <laughs> Old Thorin, son of Thrain, and Balin, son of Funden. I am Rock, son of Kark. One hundred years and fifty have passed since I came out of the egg, but I do not forget what my father told me. Now I am chief of the great ravens of the mountain. We are few, but we remember still the king that was of old. Most of my people are abroad, for there are great tidings in the south. Smog is dead. Smog <laughs> is dead. <laughs> that was great. That was good. Um, and this is the first time the dwarves hear that smog is dead. They've pretty much been kind of running rampant around the mountain, like not really know what's going on. Thorns going insane. Yeah, yeah. Where's the Arkenstone? <laughs> um, <laughs> the raven also tells them of the armies of men and elves coming um, and tells them not to trust the master of Lake Town, but to, you know, trust a um, bard. Um, the ravens also help the dwarves find through their ponies with their supplies, which is really important if you're about to be besieged in a mountain. <laughs> um, Thorin sends the ravens to go um, get Dane of the Iron Hills to help them fight the elves and the men. Um, the raven, you know, he'll do this, but he kind of speaks back a little bit. Chris? Uh, I will not say whether this council is good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> so he thinks it's bad. <laughs> He's neutral. Uh, he's neutral. Okay. Well, I also want to say, as far as these voices go, the only thing me and Chris have to go off of is the movies where John's listened to probably like eight <laughs> different versions of the audiobooks with people narrating, like yes, with actual dwarfs. So when I did my job, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. When I have no other source material other than Peter Jackson. <laughs> it's all right, Evan. I, I still love you. <laughs> and you're a terrible. Maybe, uh, you know. Maybe you have more of like a um, Faramir voice, I think. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do the men of. Uh, I wish you loved me, Earth. father. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's um, also birds that are on the side of the elves too. Um, uh, they're not really mentioned by species, um, but they bring um, King Thranduil, um, Legolas's dad, um, news of Smog's death. 
Um, so that's pretty much the Ravens. That's that's pretty much all they do um, in the sound hive. pretty pretty much like normal Ravens, except for the talking part. <laughs> yeah, except for the talking part and the living 150 years. Well, definitely out of all of them, these birds seem the most the friends of the dwarves compared to any of the other ones. I feel like the Ravens out of all of them, that's who they're closest with. I would say, maybe. yeah, but, for sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the thrush now. This also is a Hobbit heavy thing. Um, so the thrush first pops up in the Hobbit when um, with uh, Elrond, um, you know, they're reading the moon runes um, in Rivendell and uh, they read a, a script on that map that um, Gandalf gives of the Lonely Mountain that says, stand by the gray stone when the thrush knocks. And they're all like, scratching their head. What does that mean? Um, I mean, uh, this is kind of a kid's book. So, <laughs> um, but um, then they first encounter the thrush when they find the side entrance to the Lonely Mountain and uh, they're sitting on the doorstep and the thrush is just kind of knocking snails against a rock. And they seem to have completely forgotten about that whole passage <laughs> on the map because um, um, they like hate this thrush or like about to throw rocks at it and stuff um but the thrush is described as an enormous thrush nearly coal black its pale yellow breast freckled with dark spots um the thrush seems really intelligent it's watching them intently when they talk um and when the keyhole is finally revealed on Durin's day um the thrush starts to sing out a song um the thrush is like definitely the hero um at like the very last part of the Hobbit um, without him smog wouldn't have been killed. Um, Bilbo um, kind of references a thrush uh, probably unwittingly um, when he finds smog's weak spot, um, you know, smog's showing off, rolling around, shows his belly and shows that weak spot um, where there's no jewels covering um, a patch in his left breast. And um, Bilbo thinks to himself, he's like, that spot is as bare as a snail out of his shell which is, you know, kind of uh, compared to the thrush because the thrush is out there banging snails mm -hmm. out of its shell. Um, and then Bilbo tells the dwarves about it. The thrush hears it. Um, Bilbo is about to throw a rock at the thrush, actually. Um, there's like actually a lot of reference to how good hobbits can throw rocks. This is done in Lord of the Rings. Um, like Pippin and Mary are throwing rocks from the Ents at the, uh, at the orcs, you know, and they uh, invade um, Isengard. And um, also in The Hobbit, like Tolkien spends a little bit of time specifically mentioned how good Bilbo is at throwing rocks. He says that um, rabbits, squirrels, and even birds would get out of his way. Um, but before he can throw it, Thorin says, um, Evan, do you want another crack at Thorin? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying on. Leave him. Alone, the thrush is good and friendly, a very old bird indeed, and maybe the last left of an ancient breed that used to live about here, tamed to the hand of my father and grandfather. They were long lives, they were a long lives and magical race, and this might even be one of those that were alive then, a couple hundred of years or more ago. The men of Dale used to have the trick of understanding their language, use them as messengers to fly up to the men of the lake and elsewhere. That was that was awesome. That's, yeah, that was, that was better, much better. <laughs> so it sounds like there's, it sounds like throughout the books there's, uh, you know, certain species of birds that connect and communicate with certain species certain, of well, birds. Because yeah. it's only the men of Dale, right? Back yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the dwarves can't understand the thrush, but then 
you know, when smog is ravaging Lake Town um, and Bard is down there, he's down to his last arrow um, and the thrush lands on his shoulder and he's kind of surprised because the thrush starts whispering in his ear. He's like, hey, <laughs> but the, the thrush goes, wait, wait, <laughs> the moon is rising. Look for the hollow of the left, left breast as it flies and turns above you. And uh, then, of course, you know, shoots the arrow, kills smog. Um, and yeah, the day is saved. Um, uh, when the dwarves realize, yeah, you know, the thrush helped to um, kill smog, um, they say, may his feathers never fall. So they like the thrush. Too. Cheers the thrush. I don't think I ever realized that it was the same bird throughout. Uh, I it was just the thrushes were working together. No, it's it- like just one, one last thrush, <laughs> lonely thrush. Is it Bombadil that collects the feathers of birds in his cap? Is that that's Bombadil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we will talk. About I believe that. he has a thrush. Yeah, I don't know. We, no, I know we touched not on a thrush, him. Not a thrush. We'll, t- we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, sw- all, right, all right. But before we go, <laughs> there into were that, multiple. There were multiple feathers. So I. Uh, um, before we go into that, let's talk about the birds of the enemy, um, and we'll start out with uh, the big ones, the crabine of Dunland, um, and this is when the Fellowship are trying for the gap of Rohan. Um, they spy a large flock of crabine. Um, in the movies, you know, like the hobbits are playing around and then they see it, they think it's smoke at first. And, uh, then they realize it's the crabine and, um, that's what makes them decide to try to cross Karadras and ultimately go through Mordor. Moria. Uh, Moria. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't hear that. They, the after, <laughs> after you <laughs> there, they went straight to Mordor. After no, let's <laughs> not these birds, you know, them. these birds, you know, these, screw these birds. We're just going to go straight to Mordor. <laughs> if this is the worst of it, let's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the books, there's a little bit like more, um, uh, uh, I don't know, build up there, I guess. Like, so uh, specifically where they see the Krebine is this place called Holland. It's like an old place of, uh, I forget what, which exact elves were there, but like a long time ago, there was like, you know, an elfish city or encampment or whatever. Um, and um, Strider's really uneasy because there's no critters around, um, not even the birds that usually dwell there. Um, and then uh, the whole party goes to sleep, um, except Sam, actually, who's keeping watch. Um, and maybe Strider doesn't trust <laughs> a gardener to keep watch. <laughs> so he stays up with Sam and um, they see on the distance um, the Krebine. Um, uh, it said um, away in the south, a dark patch appeared and grew and drove north like smoke flying in the wind. Um and then, like, as it gets closer, they realize that it's actually uh, flocks of birds flying at great speed, wheeling and circling and traversing all the land as if they were searching for something. The birds are so dense that they cast a shadow underneath them. Um, luckily, the entire fellowship is asleep and Sam and um, Strider kind of cast themselves down and hide. Um, as the Krabine pass over, they utter one unanimous croak. Um, when the rest of the fellowship learns about the spies of the enemy, you know, they, you know, they discuss it. They came to the gap of Rohan, but, um, Mary is especially pissed, um, because he's, <laughs> he's pissed they can't have fires anymore and cook hot meals all because of a bunch of crows. <laughs> Actually, uh, I like that you did the book part, but I also like the scene in the movie too. Uh, just cause it's like, jo- it's a joyful moment. Like, and they quickly realize like, 
there can't be too many joyful moments like there's always yeah. somebody watching and yeah. like having the bird you know what i mean like they have yeah because be they're like wrestling with Bormir yeah like boromir is like helping and... mary and pippin sword fight and yeah yeah and, and that's like, pretty much like the last time they're happy yeah to kill them <laughs> i'm not trying to get through the birds the only other time i can think of is uh after mary and uh pippin after the fall of isengard that everyone yes. else shows up in there yes <laughs> and, and, and that's like my f- yeah both in the movies and, the and books, it's in the book it's like too, my yeah. favorite part yeah, <laughs> yeah. when the, we're sitting on a field of victory <laughs> everyone's so mad and... well-earned comforts yeah. yeah and the books too gimli's the first one to like start hanging out drinking, drinking and, and <laughs> smoking <laughs> but like as soon as like yeah he draws his guard down he's like already like ready to hang out he's like all right oh yeah. yeah he's ready to uh, smoke some tobacco Gandalf, i mean uh sure. yeah yep he's a good hang <laughs> gimli uh, gimli out of all of them i think is probably the best hang yeah so just like except for the hobbits i was reading a little bit is it krebin or krebane I, I i don't know what it is but i was trying I to see krebane 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 I Krabbing, thought it was Krabbin. I think Krabbing. they say Krabbin in the book. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, Krabbing, Krabbing. anyway, I, I know. you know, are these creatures? It seems like you know the eagles. Like we have this history that they're yeah predisposed to like good. Like they have reasons so that, but like these kind of come out of no. Like they're just yeah. Honestly, know. they're only really mentioned in Lord of the Rings, and it's just said that they dwell in um, um, Dunland and Fangorn Forest. That's pretty much it. That's all. Yeah, they're, which they're, makes they're sense. Pretty much so anything in Fangorn is well, evil. Yeah, they're in Saruman's territory. I mean, you know, his yeah. area. So I guess everybody but the Ents is cool yeah. with them. And it's never explicitly stated they're working for Saruman, but like they probably are. Yeah. Um, um, and of course, so it uh, sounds like it's Krabin. 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 Because that's the pre Germanic form that okay. Tolkien took it from or something. Okay. Krabin. It's Krabin. a made up yeah. language. We can say it. <laughs> Crabane. Crabane. <laughs> um, anyway, so like, you know, these are crow-like creatures. Crows are pretty much always evil in Middle-earth. Um, they profit by spying and bringing evil news to evil armies um, so that the... Good news to evil armies. Good news. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, basically so that the um, evil armies can slaughter people so then the crows can feast on, you know, the dead bodies. Um they speak a dialect of bird tongue that, in the opinion of dwarves, um, is as ill-disposed as orc speech. Um, in The Hobbit, there's some crows. Um, Balin says of the crows, I don't like these dark birds. They look like spies of evil. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Smog is even compared to a crow um, after Bilbo steals the chalice from him and, you know, Smog goes like ape shit all over the mountain. Um, he's described as flying up in the air and then he descends, floating down like a monstrous crow. Um, and then after Smog dies, crows begin to flock around the lonely mountain um, and follow the goblin armies. You know, they're ready for a battle and to, and to feast on some dead stuff. Um, other birds can also be evil in the Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, Strider, when he's taking the hobbits from Bree towards uh, Rivendell, and they approach Weathertop, Aragorn warns against standing uh, on top of Weathertop. He says, um, Chris, do you want to do Aragorn? You can do a good Aragorn, I feel like. Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> there are many birds and beasts in this country that could see us. Not all of the birds are to be trusted. And there are other spies more evil than they are. 
Yeah, um, this spooks the hobbits a lot. Um, Sam then looks up in the sky, um, fearing to see hawks and eagles hovering over him with uh, bright, <laughs> unfriendly eyes. Um, Strider is so suspicious of birds because Gandalf kind of warned him about this. Um, during the Council of Elrond, Gandalf reveals that there were bird spies around the Shire, um, you know, after Gollum got captured and, you know, revealed the whole Shire Baggins thing. <laughs> um after spotting the um, crabine of <laughs> no, damn it, I didn't worse. It is getting worse. <laughs> um, of Dunland, Aragorn also mentions that he saw hawks flying high up in the sky, and they're presumably spies of Saruman or Sauron. Um, Strider um, uh, brings up a cool point about ring race um, when he's uh, talking with the hobbits, like uh, at Weathertop. Um, I didn't really like think about this a lot. Like, um, you know, in the movies you see them sniffing and stuff, but like, um, I didn't realize like they actually like, they don't have eyes, like they can't see. Um, so they entirely rely on, apparently they can smell blood. They can like sense living things. They can sense the ring, but then they like see through the eyes of their spies. So like literally they're looking through you know, whatever birds that are on their side. Which, so. and I'm sure yeah, there's so, other things, like, yeah, I'm sure they have all kinds of spies, you know, that they use. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously the Kraven, uh, but I'm sure, that, yeah, they have a, And don't don't they show the perspective of one of them, or am I just thinking of maybe just the ring when he puts on the ring? But I feel like there's that ethereal... Like, yeah, so it is kind of they the can shadows see shadow. of, Yeah, it's yeah. that they can see shadows, except um, when the sun is at the highest point, they apparently, like, can't see anything. Um, um, even eagles can be evil actually so apparently like the eagles you know in, in Lord of the Rings like there's I guess like the good eagles but there's also bad ones too because in the Hobbit it says eagles are not kindly birds some are cowardly and cruel bad so yeah apparently there's like some shitty eagles too <laughs> well you uh, <laughs> the ones stealing the sheep <laughs> what are you, you just recently brought up hawks which is interesting because I really didn't see anything when I was researching about hawks or anything uh, no. other than that passage you pulled out yeah there's like a brief mention in Cimmerillion I think that says like Manwe has eagles and hawks on his side but the only other time I saw hawks mentioned were as spies of the enemy so gotcha. um, yeah they're really not brought up a lot um, the last thing about um, birds of the enemy um, and evil birds is um, in Hobbit folklore there's talk of haunted swamps where evil phantoms called mulips dwell <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> mule lips. The mule lips you, you, you love the mule lip? <laughs> <laughs> my lips. My lips. The, the new the mule, mule, mule lips. Mule lips. <laughs> Are um, you thinking about Pokemon mule lips? Or is that what you're... Yeah. <laughs> um, so also there's an evil breed of bird called Gorkros, which also sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> um, and might be actually, I don't know. Um, and they live um close alongside the mule lips and they eat the remains of prey that the mule lips devour. So yeah, basically if you're a crow, you're evil. Um, if you're a which I feel crow, like in many, you know, evil. that's typically been a sign of yeah, bad crows and yeah, have been bad for all eternity and literature and maybe real life yeah because they're like carrion birds they eat dead stuff so right. it must be bad um okay moving on to the next one um these next ones will go pretty fast I'm, I'm 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 reaching the end here folks um 
So Zach, I hope you're finishing up your run. Uh, <laughs> That's how we're going to uh, demark every podcast from now on. <laughs> just talking to Zach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Zach, Zach we should be 15 mile now. mark now. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it. Keep running, Zach. Just keep running. Stop laughing. Just keep running. <laughs> um, all right. So the next one is Tanuviel. Um, so this is a bit of a deep dive into LTR trivia, but like, come on, you're listening to a, a, a podcast about Lord of the Rings and birds. So you're a fucking super nerd. Um, <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. If you just found that out now, sorry. <laughs> You're just oh, what? <laughs> what You're an hour and a half into a Lord of the Rings bird podcast. Need <laughs> to break it to you, bud. <laughs> yeah, you didn't figure it out by now. There's something else wrong with you, bro. <laughs> um, so this one comes from uh, Barian and Luthien. Um, We've kind of made a lot of references to them. Can uh, one of you guys give, just give us a brief synopsis of Baron and Luthien? Off the top of my head, yeah, I can try. Uh, Luthien was an elf. Baron was a human. Um, pretty much the same story of, you know, Romeo and Juliet. They fell in love. They couldn't really be together. But one of them was kidnapped. Baron, I believe, was kidnapped by Morgoth. Oh, we don't even or, have to go into all that. But yeah, okay. yeah Baron and then Luthien like transforms into a vampire or something and saves the yeah. wrestle the Cimmeril from his crown. And, and it's supposed to be, as we said earlier, Tolkien based these characters off his wife and himself. So Luthien is supposed to be, you know, the most glorious elf ever. He actually put those names on their tombstones when they passed. So Baron yeah. and Luthien are on their corresponding tombstones super sweet um oh, i remember him singing yeah. the song and it, it yes was it who was he uh singing it was it i'm trying to remember why he was singing it uh i'm not gonna matter and after <laughs> yeah yeah so it's uh, i um it's actually not really a song it's like more of a chant but it um he um yeah i know i put song on on the show notes sorry uh, yeah that's my no i'm just well. laughing at someone chanting about birds <laughs> but um yeah so it's more of like a, a a chant um he's on weathertop i think he's like trying to cheer the hobbits up because basically the ring race are like surrounding them at this point <laughs> yeah. um in aragorn it's funny because you know in the movies like you know they light the fire and they're like mr frodo we cooked you sausage and it's like put the fire out yeah. aragorn's like in the books aragorn's like light the fire we're fucked anyway (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't make a difference at this point um but anyway so he's like trying to cheer him up with this chant um and um uh you know it mirrors him and arwen's relationship because you know he's the elf um and uh but in in the in the like chant he does in the story um uh luthien is called tenuviel by um by baron um, and Tanuviel is actually a bird in Middle Earth. It's a nightingale. Um, and um, they're also called Dolan by the Grey Elves and Lamelinde by the High Elves. Um, Tanuviel means Twilight Maiden. Uh, Lamelinde means Dust Singer and Dolan means Night Singer. Um, this is because it's a nightingale. Uh, <laughs> they sing at night, um, these birds. Um, also in the daytime, but they sing at night too. Um, and elves especially love this night singing by the birds because they find similarity in a bird that delights in starlight and brings forth song and joy into a dark world. They kind of remind, you know, the elves awoke first in the, in the dark world and then kind of brought light to the world and woke up the trees and everything. So they kind of get a, uh, 
So they, they really reverence this bird. So the fact that um, Luthien is called, uh, her nickname is Tenuviel, kind of shows her like beauty and how like revered she is. Um, and actually other elves are compared to Tenuviel too. Um, basically anytime there's like an elf love story, um, Baron and Luthien, also um, Luthien's father, Thingol, when he first meets his wife, um, Melian, um, the Tenuvial birds are supposed to be singing. And then um, Arwen, I believe, too, gets compared to, uh, at some point, gets compared to this, too. I think, I mean, well, Aragorn's comparing her to Tenuvial yeah. here. So, yeah. All right. So um, let's talk about the swans. And then we'll just kind of like throw in some random bird references, some Tom Bombadil. Gotta love some Tom Bombadil stuff. Um, and just kind of wrap it up. But um, anyway, with the swans, I, I just have kind of a short thing on the swans. Um, but um, anyway, uh, really where I started diving into the swans was when I was, um, you know, rereading through Lord of the Rings. And uh, when they leave um, Lothlorien, um, Lady Galadriel is in a swan boat. And I thought it was really cool. Like at first they think like it's a giant swan, like that's how good the boat is carved. And um, the paddles that they're using to row it on the river Anduin um, are black. And I thought that was really cool because um, um, swan feet are black. And so like, it's, it's like they're using black paddles to paddle the boat. Like it's, it's really mirroring the swan. And as I dove kind of more into this, um, I think this is a reference to the swans of Ulmo. Um, Ulmo is a Valar. He's like the Lord of the waters and sea. Um, basically the Poseidon of Middle-earth. Um, and in the first age, um, almost sent some great swans to pull the ships of the elf lord Tuor and his people. Um, they were basically like exiled on the Lonely Island. Um, they were like singing, I'm on a boat. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, with uh, Andy <laughs> um, And so, and they didn't know how to sail boats, apparently. Like they like were useless, so almost sends the swans um they like use ropes to um tie uh pull the um boats across back to the undying lands and um after they do that um they fly away and the way they fly kind of shows the elves how to like use sails and harness the wind and sail ships from then on um tours people were so inspired by this that they took take the swan as their sigil um, and also the swans like gifted them some feathers too. And like they, uh, Tuor, um, puts them in his helm. Um, and, uh, remember, um, A.R.N. Dale, um, our dude with the, uh, sky ship. Yeah. Um, his sky ship was actually the, the, um, uh, prow of it was fashioned in, uh, the form of a swan. So he's kind of doing a uh, homage to these. Yeah, uh, uh, there was something else that, I, and I got this from uh, the Tolkien Road podcast I was listening to, and I'm surprised you missed this because it happens when they uh, leave uh, Lothian, Lothrian, um, and they're going down the river Lorien uh, when they're leaving um, there, and they're going down the river Anduin. But they had brought this up, and it was interesting. And you know, they said, you know, Tolkien never really says anything without like everything kind of has a purpose like he just wouldn't have one-off things yeah but like samwise was uh said to aragorn he's like as they're going down the river anduin he was like oh i see two birds flying uh you know large birds flying and aragorn turns to him and said those are two black swans and it was like right before uh you know that they pretty much get like 
Gollum's tracking them. They're about to get ambushed. It was just kind of, they were talking about, you know, what was the meaning of the Black Swans? And I think it was kind of like, you know, the foreboding, you know, danger that lied ahead. You know, right. they were about to get ambushed and, you know, Bormir was going to die. But I thought that was interesting. It was something they brought up. Uh, and, no, uh, that's, that's good. Man, yeah. come on, dude. I know. I know. And it's literally never brought up again. That's they were talking about. But yeah, the, but like, everyone's stopping this hour and a half podcast right now. Fuck this, dude. Yeah, uh, he didn't fucking read the book. But it was, no, but it was funny because, I mean, it is in the same vicinity. But I'm sure they might have gotten lost when they were talking about Galadriel's boat or whatever. But. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool. Just kind of like but, that, uh, you know, that arrow going pointed out. They they just weren't like normal swans. They were black swans. They were black. Uh, yeah. 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 No, that's that's yeah, that's a good point. Um, and uh, I was kind of looking to see if Galadriel was like you know related to this uh, to our guy, and um, she is. She the the Telluri people. Galadriel is like related to both the Telluri and like the Noldori um I think anyway Galadriel is like the union of like both the high elf houses or whatever so um yeah it would make sense that she would do homage to them with this like swan boat and stuff yeah um and actually in my you know freaking trippy um Lord of the Rings uh bestiary book you know that I have that um I definitely pulled for heavily for this um uh it's got awesome drawings of like stuff from lord of the rings that were done in the 70s so pre-movie and everything and um when they uh draw the boats of the gray havens um they're all in swan shape actually oh that's cool yeah so i guess they kind of pulled from that you know with galadriel's swan yeah. boat and they were like oh, i think yeah, they, they were pulling from something else in that book but <laughs> <laughs> from some uh <laughs> some pure lsd <laughs> yeah <laughs> the balrog is creepy as hell that, that is true the balrog is nuts <laughs> um all right um anyway i just have some like miscellaneous bird facts here i'll just kind of spit out and then we can this is one of the first ones that you got me we can talk about i thought it was the thrush that tom bombadil put in his cap but it's the kingfisher so you can talk about that but i just saw that i knew i was i don't know my birds well enough so i was like oh he replaced the swan feather with the thrush feather and then it's kingfisher but (laughs) yeah go ahead with it I was yeah, ahead. so since, since we were talking about swans, um, yeah, so there's a story in um, uh, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. It's like a book of poetry that um, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote. Um, and he talks about the, how there's a kingfisher that harasses Tom Bombadil. And Tom Bombadil uh, basically says, like, despite your lordly appearance, um, you live in a dirty home. Um, and this prompts the kingfisher to fly off and he drops a, uh, a blue feather. And Tom Bombadil replaces his swan feather with that blue feather. And that's a feather he's wearing when he meets the hobbits in a fellowship of the ring. Um, and uh, I thought this was cool. This, you live in a dirty home because um, listeners check out my Kingfisher episode. Um, um, so this blue Kingfisher feather, it's probably a common Kingfisher, which is what's in Britain. Um, I do one on the belted Kingfishers, which are, you know, over here in America, but um, they, um, make their homes their nests by literally ramming into the side of riverbanks and with their beaks and they dig tunnels and so it's like a long tunnel in the riverbank and um it's like dark in there they lay their eggs their young hatch their young don't leave the tunnel and the young's method of like kind of disposing of their shit is they 
like literally diarrhea spray shit all over the walls of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, it's one way to build a home. It's kind of like the sandcastle you and Chris built uh, a couple weeks ago. Hey, that was <laughs> Sandoria, and that was a epic kingdom. <laughs> um, as a side note, I heard the Tolkien Road did a great Kingfisher podcast too. What? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> god damn it chris i don't think they brought up kingfishers don't worry i have no support for dirty bro podcast (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that's what the kingfisher um a couple other random references um oh uh speaking of kingfishers um when um they're in uh um uh and you know farmer and his rangers capture frodo and sam um, you know, Gollum's following them and um, Faramir sees Gollum kind of and uh, he um, mistakes it for the bird doesn't. I think I was yeah, doing. he mistakes it. He he calls over um, one of his like um, captains and is like, are there any black kingfishers in Athelion? And the dude's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> there's no black kingfishers. Also, um, isn't Gollum like... <laughs> How big is a kingfisher? Well, he he well he realized he's like oh I was reading out like the quote he's like oh this beast has four limbs it can't be a kingfisher or something yeah. like that yeah yeah that seems pretty obvious yeah but uh, I think they got closer like they couldn't see there far away first, yeah and yeah. like possibly like Gollum was like diving into the water or something you which, know yeah right which the a, kingfisher does which yeah. a kingfisher does so yeah um also ran tom back to tom bombadil um you know while he's singing some of his songs he mentions a starling um evan why don't, why don't you sing a little tom bombadil song for us oh that you're really testing my <laughs> where is the song I uh, yeah i don't do you have it in here <laughs> yes where I, i'm on the section look uh, under miscellaneous bird references it's yes. the second bullet point down ah Come merry doll, dairy doll, my darling. Light goes the weather wind and the feathers start so bad. No, that was good. Man. Uh, yeah, I was started good. off strong. And the feathered starling. Yeah, so it's just he just mentions starlings. Come merry doll. <laughs> Come merry doll, dairy doll, my darling. <laughs> so that goes like Tom a Bombadil gives <laughs> yeah. the Come amount Bum of shit Tom Bombadil gives. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the yeah. world's about to end. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> go have dinner with my water wife. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her some white lilies. <laughs> anyway, um, also the rangers, um, people of Breeze say they can understand the language of beasts and birds. Um, and uh, oh, the trolls. Yes. Um, so the trolls, you know, um, when they get turned to stone in the Hobbit, because um, they, you know argue gandalf's you know throwing his voice making them argue with each other um the narrator says uh after they turn to stone they still stand all alone unless birds perch on them um and i thought that was kind of a cool quote because then in lord of the rings um when they're fleeing uh rivendale this happens in both the book and the yeah movie, it does actually. yeah 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 um, you know, Frodo's stabbed by the Nazgul blade, so he's kind of like out of it. Um, but when they come across the uh, the stone trolls, um, there's a bird nest actually behind one of their ears. Yeah, and it is a cool, um, uh, yeah, homage to the Hobbit. And the fact that they put that in the movie was cool too, because that's definitely something that they did need to do. But it's cool that they did that. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. That shows the attention to detail. You know, Peter Jackson yeah. did a so- subtle nod. 
yeah <laughs> to the movies he was about to ruin years later <laughs> we won't talk about the five armies on this spot yes god damn I, it I, <laughs> yeah. um seagulls um feature in two um the crying of the seabirds really triggers <laughs> legolas um galadriel um through um gandalf uh, you know, when he's Gandalf the White and meets up with, uh, you know, them again in Fangorn Forest. Um, Galadriel passes on a prophecy to Legolas. Um, she says, Legolas Greenleaf, long under tree, enjoy thou hast lived. Beware of the sea! If thou hearest the cry of the gull on the shore, thy heart shall then rest in the forest no more. Um, and sure enough, when Legolas, you know, goes with Aragorn with the armies of the dead um, to, you know, go get the pirates of Umbar. In the book, it's like they literally just like spook them. Yeah. <laughs> like the ghosts like can't even do anything. They just like spook yeah. them. Um, much less dramatic than the movie. But anyway, he hears goals because they're like, you know, near the sea then. And um, Legolas says, uh, alas, for the wailing of the goals. A wonder they are to me and a trouble to my heart. And, you know, after that, like, he's basically like, I'm going to, you know, go sail to the Undying Lands. But he lingers for Gimli. Um, goes they go to see the, fa- like, they go back, like, they... They do the greatest things, they do. Well, they, it was like, they went back to Fangorn, didn't they? And then they... Yeah, they, they go to the caves of um, yeah. oh, Deep. Well, yeah. Legolas wanted to go to the caves and Gimli to Fangorn? Or, yeah, no, Gimli like... wants to take Legolas to the caves and then and Legolas the... takes him into Fangorn. Yeah. And then I actually, can... Gimli goes to the Undying Lands with yeah. Legolas. Yeah. To so meet his Big true deal. love. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's a true <laughs> romance. <laughs> his girl's been waiting for him in the Undying Lands the entire <laughs> trilogy. Like, she, is that what you said? Like, that he had a woman yeah. in it? Well, no, is it Galadriel? Isn't he in love with Galadriel? Well, yeah, he's in love with Galadriel. Yeah. I thought everyone is in love with Galadriel. Yeah. No, but but uh <laughs> poor Kimberly's poor Kellenbron, really... her husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she never gave me three hairs. Yeah, a block of her hair. Selimborn the cuckold. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, and I guess who is it? Is it Finn Golfin or Fanor? One of one of the elves asked her for hair like just one and she wouldn't give it to him and then like then she gives three to Gimli <laughs> Gimli loved that oh. I was, he was <laughs> alright we're going on two hours <laughs> I know yeah, I'll, let two hours. I'll let you finish I'm pretty much done here all I was going to say is you know there's helmets um, if you watch the movies look out for this you know um, feathers are incorporated into the helmets a lot. They're mentioned in the books a lot too. Um, Pippin, how Pippin's helmet is, yeah, there. I was reading, yeah, you know, it's like the ravens, yeah, it's like raven tipped or whatever, wing tipped. Yes, because um, you know, he's a squire of Gondor. Um, so like, yeah, especially the Citadel guards of Gondor, they have the big gold feathers on the side of their mm-hmm. heads, and then uh, the crown of Gondor has um, uh, gold feathers um, carved into it. It's specifically re- referred to in the book a lot, the winged winged helm and the winged crown. Um, and, um, finally, I'm just going to end with, um, wait, can uh, I, you skip the yeah. line. I'm just curious about this. I didn't know this. There's what? vampires in this world. Yes. Yes. I, I kind of mentioned know. it briefly before with because Luthien turns into a bat, uh, to like kind of, um, uh, you know, infiltrate um, Angbond, uh, and to say, I, I did not know that. Yeah. There's vampires. They're not really described a lot. Um, 
yeah, the one quote I could find, it said, whether it was from bird or beast that Melkor bred the evil blood-sucking bat of Middle-earth, no tale tells. So I don't know, they might be derived from bird. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, that's about it. There's other mentions of birds. They're, you know, very fleeting. I'm not going to mention them. Um, yeah. I don't know, guys. We spent a lot of time on the Eagles. Uh, there's a lot of other good stuff, though. I mean, Tolkien, I feel like, obviously, just, like, loved nature in general. Yeah, like, I mean, birds are guy. all around the place. So, I mean, why wouldn't you involve them? So, I mean, We covered a lot. Yeah. I mean, those were, we hit all of the main birds uh, that are discussed in the book. I mean, even the deep dive ones, like the gore crows, like, I feel like aren't really talked about that much, but. I mean, no one's giving all... crows their credit. Yeah, come on, give the gore crows their credit. I want to see some fan art. All yeah. these crevins are taking all over the crevins, crevines, crevine, whatever the hell But we literally hit every major bird that is brought up in this whole yeah world. So I mean, I will attest to I hit everything in Hobbit, in Lord of the Rings, in Fall of Gondolin um maybe i skipped some stuff in cimmerillion i mean i i feel like i just i didn't read cimmerillion but i did a lot of the wiki looking at the yeah. cimmerillion uh so yeah i feel like we we got them all all right well thank you guys so much this was fun should we I... end with the uh traditional goodbye for eagles oh yes thank you chris i would have forgotten i was about to close out i um... so for you know for the listeners there yes. is a i'm not sure well, I found this just on online. I'm not sure where they actually mention it in the books, but there is a polite. It's in the Hobbit. It's in the Hobbit. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a polite thing to say among needles when, when departing. departing. Yeah. And so, so Chris, we thought you, it was you do the end. first part, and I'll do the second, and that's how we'll end the show. Farewell, wherever you fare, till your eeries receive you at your journey's end. May the wind under your wings bear you where the sun sails and the moon walks. That was beautiful. Flutter, 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 flutter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, read Lord of the Rings and stay dirty, my birdies. Dirty Bird Podcast is brought to you by me, John, with my rotating panel of guests and co-hosts. Thanks for being on the show, everybody. Dirty Bird theme song is by Ricky Pistone. Check out his groovy and hilarious music videos on YouTube. The outro music you're listening to right now is a song New York Redneck by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music. The Dirty Bird podcast logo is by the very talented TJ Ranoski. And of course, a shout out to my beautiful wife, Lauren, who created my original logo. Check out the show notes for this episode for a full list of credits for any bird calls or sounds used in the episode. Thanks for listening. I've been a bed on some horses at the track, driving to Brooklyn, ain't never coming back. Tim's on the ground in the concrete jungle, I might get into a little rumble.
in the back and I like the New York bats and my cowboy hat.